0: I want to welcome our guests. I know many of you may be tuning in to Freedom Bible Church for the very first time, and we're just thankful that you've chosen to worship with us in your home this morning. Um, We are incredibly grateful for the fact that we can still gather as a church even though we're scattered all over the place. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn uh, to Judges chapter 7, and we are going to be this week in the... Uh, second week of this series on the life of Gideon that we are calling Fearless. Now, the reality is that this series was planned months ago, which just proves to me over and over again that God has perfect timing, that His timing is always perfect, that He's never early, He's never late, but He's always right on time. I believe that God knew that we would need a series just like this, where we were dealing with doubt, and where we were dealing with fear, given the season that we're in right now. All this social distancing and the coronavirus and, and everything that this pandemic has brought upon our, our world and our nation and our state and our city has really created a lot of fear and a lot of uncertainty in a lot of people's lives. And I believe that God knew exactly what He was doing many, many months ago when he decided to to lead us into this teaching on the life of Gideon. Because the reality is, everything we're facing right now did not catch God God off guard. He was not surprised by the fact that we're facing a pandemic. He's not surprised by the fact that we're social distancing. He's not surprised by the fact that we can't gather in this room this morning as a church. None of that surprised him. And yet, in in His goodness and in His sovereignty, He knew that many of us would be facing fear. Many of us would be facing fear of the future. Many of us would be facing fear of the economy. Many of us would be facing fear of our health or the health of our loved ones. And so God in His goodness brought us to to the life of Gideon. Because God knew that a scared world needs a fearless church. That a scared world needs a fearless church. So what did he do? In this season, what God did is he has enabled his church to go wherever people are. He's enabled his church to go online to meet you right there in your living room. Right there on your phone, on your computer, on your tablet. He's enabled us as a church to meet you right where you are in order to engage your fear, in order to help you grow in your faith. It's incredible what God does. So God, in His sovereignty, He used the shutting down of everything. The shutting down of gatherings, the shutting down of our ability to meet together so that He could get His message of hope and His message of faith to millions of people worldwide. Church, only God could do that. Only God in His sovereignty could do that. Because churches all, literally all over the world, we haven't changed our mission. Our mission is still to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Our mission is still to love our neighbor as ourselves. Our mission is still to make disciples. But our methods in this season have drastically changed. They've drastically changed. And freedom is just a small picture of what God is doing in His church right now. Just think about this week, or rather last week. Last week, our church launched for the very first time an online service. We went live on Facebook and YouTube for the very first time. Last week, for the very first time, our church launched a digital discipleship group. Wednesday night, we had about 20 people gather for discipleship, where we encouraged one another, where we built one another up. And so that all happened last week, our church went out and served, partnering with the Board of Education here in Columbia County and Richmond County. We went and served underprivileged children, kids that were, were unable to have meals this week. We were able to go and provide and serve them. Not only that, we've been part, we've had sent volunteers to Golden Harvest Food Pantry in order to, to pack meals that, that really serve the entire CSRA. What an incredible thing that we've been able to be a part of. All because God didn't allow us to gather in this building. I mean, only God could do that. And here's what my hope is. My hope is that that serves and provides encouragement for you today. My hope is that you're encouraged by that because while normal life, normal life seems to have stopped, yet God's kingdom keeps moving forward. It keeps moving forward. There's nothing you can do to stop God's kingdom from, uh, from progressing. From advancing but at the same time I also want you to know as a follower of Christ that you have been, have been providing hope to your neighbors I know in my own neighborhood uh, there have been times where where Christians have gathered in someone's front yard keeping social distance protocol in place and just praying for our neighbors Praying for people that that may be fearful, that may have lost their jobs. Praying for people that are struggling right now. And and so you as the church have have been providing hope for your neighbors. And you've done so by choosing faith over fear. You've done so by leaning into compassion in the midst of our crisis. And you've done so by practicing prayer instead of panic. See, every single one of us have a part to play. And last week, as we started this series, we were introduced to an unlikely hero. This man named Gideon. And Gideon was anything but a hero. In fact, Gideon was living in fear when we met him last week. He was hiding from the Midianites. And yet God called Gideon and said, I want to use you, Gideon, to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Midianites. And yet, Gideon is here fearful, he's scared to death, and God looks at him and says, you are going to become a mighty man of valor. God looks at Gideon and says, I'm going to transform you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to mold and shape you and turn you into this mighty man of valor. But yet Gideon is scared, he's he's incredibly fearful. Here's what we can learn from Gideon's story. It reminds reminds us of a few things. First of all, that courage, true courage... Comes from the presence and the promises of God. If you and I want to live in true courage, we have to, to find that courage in the presence and the promises of God. The second thing we learned last week is that courage, courage isn't the absence of fear. No, courage is obeying and following God even in the midst of our fear. And the third thing we learned last week is that God doesn't call the fearless. Instead, he empowers those that he calls to be fearless. That's the way God works. God doesn't call those of us that are fearless, he empowers us to be fearless. He empowers us to fear less. And so in Gideon chapter 7, I mean in Judges chapter 7, we pick up in Gideon's life, but before we read that, I want to share a passage of scripture from the apostle John. Now, the Apostle John uh, walked with Jesus, and he knew Jesus, and, and, and at the end of his life, he writes these epistles. And In his first epistle, in 1 John 5, verse 4, he says this, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. What is he saying to us? He's saying that our faith brings the victory. It is our faith that brings the victory. God has has wired us and created us and made us in this way that, that we can either, as His followers, we can either be overcome by our fear or we can be overcomers by our faith. We can be overcome by fear. And many of us have. Many of us have been overcome by fear. We've all had those moments where like, I don't know that this is ever going to end. And we've all had, I've had those moments, you've had those moments, we all have. And we can either be be overcome by that fear, or we can be overcomers by our faith. That's what the Apostle John is saying. And so we're going to see in Judges chapter 7, that God loves to work in the realm of the impossible. God loves to work in the realm of the impossible. He will put you and I in impossible situations, where we have to trust Him to work things out. Where there's no possible way for us to do it in our own strength. God will put us in those situations where we have to completely trust Him. And Gideon's victory over the the Midianites is really a story of faith in action. It's really a story of, of Gideon taking a step of faith and God showing up. And in this story, in in Judges 7, it reveals three key principles that that, that teach us about faith. Three things about our faith that help us become overcomers and not be overcome. And the first thing I want you to see is this, that God will stretch our faith. God will stretch our faith. Two of the main reasons that God stretches our faith is this. The first reason is this. God wants us to see that our faith will stand you ever thought about that? God sometimes stretches our faith so that you and I will see that our faith can stand, that we can stand the test, because the reality is that a faith that can't be tested can't be trusted. If you and I have a faith so weak and so small that it can't be tested, we can't trust that faith to pull us through when times get hard. And so the first thing God wants to do is He wants to, to show us that our faith will stand, and that's for us. And the second thing He does is He uses those tests, those stretching of our faith to strengthen us to do what He's called us to do. He stretches our faith so that we actually get stronger. Because the reality is that when we often go through the valley of testing, before we reach the mountaintop of victory. Listen to what happens in Judges chapter 7, beginning in verse 3. Here's what, here's what Scripture says. He says, Then jerubbabel uh, this is verse 1, Judges 7, verse 1 through 3. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early, and they encamped beside the spring of Harad. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moray in the valley. In verse 2, then the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hands have saved me. Verse 3, Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. And listen to this, Then 22,000 people, 22,000 returned. And 10,000 remained. So in, in chapter 6, what we found was that 32,000 people, 32,000 men, they were bit, they're fighting men, warriors. They showed up when, when Gideon blew the trumpet. They heard the battle cry and 32,000 people show up. And God looks at that and says, you've got too many. You've got too many. Now, the Midianites probably had over 135,000 people. So you're talking about four-to-one odds, roughly. And God looks at those four-to-one odds, and he says, Gideon, the odds are stacked in your favor. You're going to have to get rid of some of these people. The odds are stacked in your favor. So Gideon must have thought, I have no doubt that Gideon was thinking in that moment, God, you've got to be kidding me. It's four to one odds. They're going to crush us. We have no way to fight them with the 32,000. And you're telling me that the odds are stacked in our favor? You've got to be kidding. But here's what God knows. God knows that you and I have the tendency to allow pride to seek in. You and I have the tendency to allow pride to enter into our lives and take the credit for the things that God has done. We have the ability and the tendency to take credit where God has done the work. And he knew that. And so he tells Gideon, listen, you're going to have to get rid of some of these men. You've got too many. 32,000 is too many. And he tells Gideon to, to let the people know that if you are fearful and trembling, you can leave. If you're scared, go ahead and go. If you're fearful and trembling, go ahead and leave. And in that moment, 22,000 men took off and went home. And I have no doubt that Gideon wanted to be one of them. I have no doubt that Gideon was trying to sneak away, and God says, oh, no, 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 Gideon, you've got to stay. You're going to lead this thing. You're going to be a mighty man of valor. And so Gideon's not allowed to leave. But, and, and, you know, i got to think about this week. And I think in some ways, as I I thought about it strategically, sending away those fearful men, those who were fearful and trembling, is actually, could be a smart move. Because God had already made Gideon know that pride, pride before the battle, robs God of his glory. But fear in the midst of battle will rob other soldiers of their courage. Think about that. Those 22,000 scared troops would have eventually destroyed the morale of the entire army. Because fear in the midst of battle will eventually rob others of their courage. And so in some ways, it's a pretty strategic move that God puts in place. And He sends these men away, 22,000, Because those 22,000 timid soldiers could not exist with those 10,000 soldiers that had faith. Because the reality is faith and fear can't dwell together very long. Faith and fear can't dwell together very long. And that is true not only of Gideon's army, it's true in our own hearts. Because the truth is fear and faith They can't dwell in our own lives that long. They can't dwell in our hearts very long. They can't live together. They're incompatible. Because what will ultimately happen is either your fear will conquer your faith and you'll quit. Or your faith will overcome your fear and you'll have victory. And that's the way faith and fear work. You're either going to be be overcome by fear and quit, or you're going to allow your faith to overcome fear and gain victory. That's why I think John Wesley said this. He said, give me 100 men, 100 men who fear nothing but sin and love nothing but God, and I will shake the gates of hell. What's he saying there? He's saying if he had a hundred men that are full of faith and full of love for God, that literally the gates of hell could not stand against them. Why? Because fear and faith are incompatible, they don't go together. And so God is stretching Gideon's faith, but the stretching isn't done. It's far from over. In fact, what happens next? What happens next makes no sense at all. Well, I could argue strategically that getting rid of the fearful uh, troops makes sense. What God does next doesn't make any sense. And God still looks at Gideon and says, Gideon, you're down to 10,000, but you still have too many men. Look what happens in verse 4. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, shall go with you. And anyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought, them, he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink, you shall set them by themselves. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people, they knelt down to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 who lapped, I will save I will save you and I will give the Midianites into your hand and let all the others go home uh, to their house. And so verse, verse 8, So the people took provisions in their hands and their trumpets, and he sent the rest of Israel, every man, to his tent, but retained the three hundred men. And the camp of Midian was below them in the valley. So. Oftentimes people look at this passage and they go, well, what's the symbol? What's, a, what's symbolic of the 300 men? What's symbolic of them lapping water like a dog? And here, here's my take. I actually believe there's not really, it's not a symbolic test. I think it was just a, uh, uh, an ordinary, simple test that God used to pull out the 300 men he wanted to use. But I also think that theologically you can prove by reading this passage that God loves dogs more than he loves cats. I just do. I think theologically you can prove that by that verse. But but the reality is there's really, I don't really see a lot of symbolism. I just think this is a normal way that God uses to test and stretch Gideon's faith. Which points to me the fact that God will use everyday, normal, ordinary occurrences to stretch our faith. And to test our faith. But there are some things that we can learn from this passage. And I think one of the things we can learn, and this is is fascinating to me, what God does in this passage. Because you think about this. God intentionally weakened Gideon's army. God did that. God intentionally weakened Gideon's army. Why? Because the greatest desire that God has for us is that we trust Him. The thing that God wants most from us is dependence. Dependence is the goal. That's what God is after in our lives. He wants you and I to depend upon Him. And He will go through any means in order to drive us to dependence. Many of you are familiar with the Apostle Paul and his story. And the Apostle Paul... Was, uh, he had this thorn in his flesh, and, and three times he says that he prayed to the Lord, Lord, take this thorn away from me. Take it away. Take it away. And God finally says to him, in, first, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, Listen, Paul, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Then he goes on to say, Therefore Paul says this, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul says listen, I'm going to boast in my weakness. I don't know about you, but I don't like boasting in my weaknesses. I like to hide my weaknesses. I like to get rid of my weaknesses. I like to to not talk about my weaknesses. But Paul says, I'm going to boast in my weaknesses. I'm going to let everybody know about my weaknesses. I want everyone to know where I'm weak. Why? Because where I am weak, Christ is strong. Where I am weak, Christ's power shows up. Christ's power is evident in the places where I'm weak. And in our weakness, in my weakness, and in your weakness, that's where Jesus displays his power. That's where he displays his power. One of the most dangerous things for you and I spiritually is our strengths. You're like, what do you mean, Eric? What is that? What are you talking about? One of the most dangerous things spiritually is our strengths. Because if we're operating in our strength, we're not having to surrender to Christ. If we're operating in our strengths, we're doing it we can do things in our own on our own. We're not having to depend upon Christ. And one of the most dangerous things strengths can be the most dangerous things to us spiritually because it is our strengths that keep us from hoping in God's mercy, hoping in his grace and allowing his spirit to work in and through us. And so dependence is the goal. God weakened Gideon's army to drive him to dependence. And God will weaken us in order to drive us to dependence. Weakness causes us to lean into Christ. Weakness causes us to rest in Christ. Weakness causes us to trust in Jesus. And when we lean into God and we depend upon Him... Here's what we learn. We learn that God is always faithful. God is always faithful. Here's the reality. Some of you this week, in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis, and this social distancing, if if you're a people person, even if you're not, if you've been away from people as long as we've been away from people, you're longing for other relationships. You're longing to have human connection with people uh, that, that you haven't seen in a while. Maybe you've seen them on a screen, but it's just not the same. And many of you right now are alone, and you've got a choice. If you lean into that weakness, what you can discover is that God sticks closer than a brother. That's what we can learn when we lean into that. And I've talked to so many people this week that that their hours have been cut or their jobs have been cut, they've been laid off, and, and there's just no work right now. And in this moment, in that weakness, we have an option, we have choices. We can lean into Christ... And what I believe He will show us and He will prove to us over and over and over again that He is our provider. That He's not left us. That He is always faithful even in the midst of financial uncertainty. Even in the midst of of the challenges that we're facing now. Because here's here's the truth. Sometimes, sometimes you'll never know that God is all that you need until He's all that you have. Sometimes we'll never know that God is all that we need until God is all that we have. Judges 7 verse 7 says this, And the Lord said to Gideon, With the 300 men that lapped, I will give, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. God says, I only need 300. 300. And with those 300, I will bring victory. So God stretched Gideon's faith. He stretched his faith by shrinking his army. And then God promises that through those 300 men, he's going to bring victory. Through those 300 men, he's going to bring about a miracle. Because the reality is miracles do not happen out of human strength. Miracles only happen through our weakness. Miracles only happen when we have faith and we have obedience in Christ in the midst of our weaknesses. And that's what God does in Gideon's life. And so the first thing he does, first principle he teaches us that God will stretch our faith. But the second principle we find in this passage is that God will develop our faith. He'll develop our faith. Look at verse 9. That same night, the Lord said to him, said to Gideon, Arise, go down against the camp for which, I, which, which, for which I have given it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go down to, to the camp with Purah, your servant. And you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. So I love this. That God is acknowledging, listen Gideon, I know you're afraid. And so instead of going to battle right now, what I want you to do is I want you to sneak down to the camp with your servant Purah. And I want you to listen to what you're going to hear and listen to what happens. So they went down with Purah's servant to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. And the Midianites and the Amicalites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance. Listen to the description of this army. And this is the army that Gideon's going up against with 300 men. And their camels were without number, as sand is on the seashore in abundance. And when Gideon came, he, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. And he said, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian and came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned it upside down so that it lay flat. And that comrade said, this is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given into his hands Midian and all of the camp. And listen to this. As soon as Gideon heard those words, as soon as he heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshiped. And he returned to the camp of Israel, and he said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into our hand. See, God was ready to give Gideon the victory. But God also knew that Gideon was still afraid. And God knew that he had to overcome Gideon's fear in order to bring about the victory. I love this in this passage. Because the reality is that you and I have probably gone back and forth between fear and faith during this season. There's been times where we've been cowards and times where we've, been, we've had courage. I know it's true in my life. that There's times where I'm, I'm fearful and, and, and of the uncertainty and then times I have faith that God's got this. And there's times where I'm a coward and, and, and just want to you know, give up and there's other times where I have this courage to go out and fight. And the reality is we all have that. But what I love about this in in this passage is that God understands. He understands. Look what he says to Gideon. Gideon, if you're afraid to go into the camp right now with the whole army, just take your servant. Walk down there and listen to what they're going to be talking about. See, God understands you and I when we have doubt. And in, in his compassion and in his patience, he helps us overcome our fears, overcome our doubts. And he doesn't condemn Gideon, he has compassion for him. Now, think about this God had already promised Gideon that he would deliver the Midianites into his hand three times. In addition to that, God had already performed three separate signs for Gideon to prove that he would deliver and keep his promises. And yet, God still encourages Gideon's faith when he has fear. That's the kind of God we serve. One that doesn't leave us behind because of our fear and doubt, but one that comes and walks alongside us and makes us and shapes us and transforms us into mighty men of valor. That's what he does for Gideon. The truth of the matter is at some point, you and I have to take a step of faith at some point we actually have to step out in faith, and that's exactly what god God did through Gideon. Gideon's afraid God reassures him, but then he says, "I need you to go to the camp now This had to be incredibly scary because you think about it, these men were as numerous as the sand I mean these were Hundreds of thousands, 135,000 is what is estimated we were, were sitting there ready to battle 300 of Gideon's men. And God says, I want you to sneak up into the camp and I want you to get so close that you can actually hear a conversation between two Midianite soldiers. Folks, that took a lot of faith. Gideon had to step out in faith. He had to take that leap of faith. And sometimes when you and I are facing our fears, and God is stretching our faith, sometimes we have to take a step. We actually have to step out in faith. What's the lesson in this? The lesson is this, that God will actively stretch our faith. And God will patiently encourage our faith. But to do so requires us to step out in faith. And here's how faith works. Faith works this way. God reveals a little, and you take a step. God reveals a little bit more, and you take another step. God reveals a little bit more, and you take another step. That's how faith works. God doesn't give us the entire plan. And as a matter of fact, if you're waiting for God to answer all of your questions before you believe, before you step out in faith, you're never going to get there. That's not how faith works. God doesn't answer all of our questions before He asks us to step out. God doesn't. He didn't reveal to Gideon, here's how you're going to defeat the army. He said, I just want you to step out, walk down there, and listen to their conversation. Gideon didn't have a plan at that point. All he had was a promise of God. All he had was the encouragement of God to step out in faith and go down there. But that's how faith works. We take one step, God reveals. We take another step, God reveals. We take another step, God reveals. That's how our faith works. That's the way God designed it. As a matter of fact, he says that his word is a lamp unto our feet. If you've ever been out in the woods and you've carried around a lamp, it doesn't shine much. It doesn't brighten up the whole place. What I want is God's word and his direction to be a spotlight. I want it to shine and open up everything so I can see it all. That's not the way faith works. He says, I am a light unto your path. Not a spotlight, but just a light that reveals your next step and the step after that and the step after that. That's how faith works. That's the way God works in our lives. And God always says, all right, I'm going to give you enough for the next step. I'm going to encourage your faith enough for you to take the next step. I love what happens with Gideon here. Gideon pauses and he worships the Lord. He hears these words. He understands that God is going to deliver the the Israelites. He's going to set them free. And he stops and he worships. He's so overwhelmed by God's goodness. He's so overwhelmed by God's graciousness. He's so overwhelmed by God's provision that he pauses and he worships. He falls on his knees in submission. He falls on his knees in gratitude and he worships the Lord. See, that's what happens when you and I begin to step out in faith. God reveals more and more of himself and that drives us to more dependence and as the result of our dependence, it leads to worship. So God will stretch our faith. God will encourage our faith. And the third thing I want you to see is that God will honor our faith. The next few verses talk about what Gideon does uh, with these troops, these 300 men. He divides them up into into three groups of 100. So three companies, 100 each, and he gives each one of them a trumpet, a jar, and a torch. That's what he sends them to battle with. A trumpet, a jar, and a torch. No sword. No one's got a sword. In fact, more than likely, the, the Midianites had stolen all of their swords, all of their weapons, when they raided them last year. And so they have no sword. They've got a trumpet, a jar, and a torch. And Gideon says, this is what we're going to take to battle with us. This is what we're going to use to defeat the Midianites. And he tells them, here's what I want you to do. I want you to light your torch, and I want, to put, I want you to put your jar over your torch to hide the light. And then we're going to, we're going to form, uh, this, in, in groups of 100, we're going to surround the valley that the Midianites are sitting in. And then when I blow my trumpet, I want each and every one of you to blow your trumpet. And when you blow your trumpet, I want you to smash your jar and shine your light. That's Gideon's battle plan. And that's what happens. And so, but think about this. Gideon has really come a long way, hasn't he? In chapter 6, Gideon's a coward. He's scared to death. In chapter 7, God has strengthened his faith. He's encouraged his faith. And as a result, Gideon is now leading an entire army of 300 up against an army of 135,000. Folks, that is incredible courage. That is incredible faith. That's who God has been shaping him and molding him into this mighty man of valor. Listen to what happens next. In verse 19, it says, So Gideon... And the hundred men who were with him came out of the outskirts of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch when they had, set, when they had just set the watch and they blew their trumpets and they smashed their jars that were in their hands and the three companies blew their trumpets and broke their jars, and they held in their left hands the torches and in their right hands the trumpets to blow. And they cried out a sword for the, for the Lord and for Gideon. Listen to what happens. Every man in the camp stood up, in, or every man stood in his place around the camp, and all the army ran. They started scattering. They cried out and they fled. And when they blew the 300 trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army, and the army fled. This is is amazing what happens. In this plan, God causes the Midianites to turn against each other. But I want you to notice, God doesn't give Gideon this plan. God doesn't tell him, here's exactly what you're going to do. No, Gideon is forced by the shrinking of his army, the stretching of his faith, the encouragement of his faith by hearing the fact that that God has given them into the hands of the Midianites. And in that weakness, Gideon develops a new plan, a better plan. Because he had to come up with a better plan with 300 men. And what ends up happening is Gideon's weakness becomes his strength. His weakness becomes his strength. And here's how the plan worked. It took place in the middle of the watch. In the middle of the night. The middle of the the night watch. Which means. That one third of the Midianites were asleep. One third of the Midianites were coming back from their guard duty. And another third of the Midianites were just waking up. Groggy. Getting ready to go on their guard duty. That's when this whole plan goes down. You've got a third of the Midianites asleep, a third that are coming back into the camp, and a third that are getting ready to leave the camp. And it is in that very moment that the Israelites blow their trumpets, smash their jars, and light up the sky with their torches. Here's what I want you to know. In those days, it was customary for an army and a company of soldiers of about a thousand troops, they would all march behind one torch. So think about this. Gideon's got 300 torches surrounding the Midianites. When they hear those trumpets blow, when they hear those jars crash And in their grogginess, in their stupor, they look around and they see 300 torches. In their minds, they would immediately think, that's over 300,000 troops. (laughs) As a result, in all their confusion and all the chaos... The Midianites begin to attack one another with their swords and kill off one another. And not one Israelite casualty in the whole scene. <laughs> Man, I love what God does in this story. Only God could cause 300 soldiers to defeat 135 soldiers and cause them to flee without one single Israelite soldier drawing a sword or picking up a sword or even having to set foot on the battlefield. Now I would love to say this is where Gideon's story ends. It stops right here. He has this huge victory and and all is great and he goes on and lives happily ever after. But the reality is Gideon's story doesn't stop there. In chapter 8 we're going to see what happens to Gideon is that pride begins to sink in or, or sneak in. Pride begins to fill his heart. Gideon begins to to think that he's doing things in his own power and his own might, where he had been so dependent upon God in chapter 7. In chapter 8 it all changes and and Gideon begins to allow pride to consume him. And he begins to do things out of his out of his pride that really uh It puts kind of a sad ending to his story, but the reality is you're going to have to show up next week. You're going to tune in next week to find out about the end of of Gideon's story. But for now, here's here's the thought I want to leave you with. And the thought is this. The greatest spiritual danger that you and I will face is getting out of the posture of weakness. Greatest spiritual danger that you and I can face, is thinking that we can do things in our own strength. Getting out of that posture of weakness, getting out of that mode of leaning into God because of our weakness. See, when we forget how far off we were when God found us, when we forget the grace that God has offered us, when we forget that that we are to surrender our entire lives to Him. When we forget that, we begin to walk in our own strength. We begin to depend depend upon ourselves. And instead of being dependent upon God, we become independent. And that is the greatest spiritual danger that any of us could ever face. When we begin to live our lives independently of God. And what we'll see next week, that oftentimes our greatest spiritual victories, if we're not careful to remain 100% dependent upon God, will cause us to revert back to the way things are. And next week we're going to see that. But here's what I want to to end this with uh, this morning, is that Christian maturity, Christian maturity is learning to say, I will go anywhere with Jesus And I I wouldn't want to be anywhere without him. I'll go anywhere with Jesus. And I don't want to be anywhere without him. It's realizing that in Christ, in Jesus Christ, you and I can can give up all that we have because Jesus is all that we need. That's what spiritual maturity looks like. Realizing that I can give it up, I can give up all of it. I can lay it all down because Jesus is all that I need. Let us pray. And so, Father, thank you for the times where you stretch our faith. Thank you for the times where you encourage our faith and the times where you honor our faith. But, Lord, the reality is there are people that are that are watching this right now, and they're walking in independence. They're walking in their own strength, and they just need to simply surrender to You. Some of them need to to come to You for the very first time and say, Lord Jesus, I want to surrender all that I have to You. I want to lay down my life. I want You to be my Lord and my Savior. And Father, right there in their living room, right there on their couch, right there, uh, watching it on the on this screen, God, I pray that you'd give them the courage to take that first step of faith and say, Jesus, I believe that your death on the cross paid the penalty for my sin. I believe that I cannot save myself. I believe that I need your redemption, your grace, your forgiveness. And Father, for those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, I pray that you would help us not to walk in our own strength, but to completely and totally surrender to you. That we would yield all that we have to you. That we would learn to be like Gideon and to trust you and to depend on you and realize that we, have, that we can lay down everything, all that we have, because Jesus, you are all that we need.